welcome to the Dogs and Deadlifts Building Better Dogs and People podcast. Join your host, Daniel Rose, as we discuss everything canine and human strength and conditioning. We talk to experts, hear from people in the know, and just talk the latest on strength and conditioning for both people and their pups. We are about building better dogs and people. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Rose, and today we have Angela Ahern from the Biokinetic Canine all the way from South Africa. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Daniel. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. I know it's early in the morning over there and uh, a little bit uh, later in the afternoon, so I do appreciate um, you know, you're finding the time. So thank you very much again. No, anything for a fellow dog person. So yeah, no, it's exciting. <laughs> exciting. So um, let's uh, little jump straight into it. Obviously, we we've known each other, um, you know, within a, within a few circles for quite a little while. But um, let's uh, let's jump in and and uh, t- can you tell us? I suppose our listeners um, who you are, you know, and uh, more importantly, what dogs, you know, what dogs you have at the moment and what you're doing with your dogs. A little bit of background, um, as much as you want to give. Yeah, sure, no problem. Okay, so you've said I'm Angela Hearn. It's the strange surname. It's married into, so what can we do? Um, I am the owner and founder of the Biokinetic Canine. Um, we are we do fitness and conditioning for the elite canine athletes. So what that all means is it's fitness and conditioning. And I thought fitness and conditioning was like, oh, one of those everybody should know, but it's a little bit of a jargon phrase mm-hmm. when i say fitness for my dog they think oh aren't your dogs just generally fit aren't they born fit and then if you say conditioning for a dog mm-hmm. what does that mean and i found that out when i asked my son oh geez what can i speak about with regards to conditioning for dogs and he actually said well, what is conditioning I thought, yep. oh, the penny dropped what yep. is conditioning mm-hmm. so that is what we concentrate on is how to get your dog's body into the optimal condition for the sport that they do. Mm-hmm. And um, how I got into that is because of my own dog. So I train, compete, and work my own dogs in a sport called IGP, which is this huge German name, <laughs> which is difficult to pronounce. Um, but it basically means um, your international working dog test. Uh, there are three phases in it. It includes um, competitive tracking, uh, where a dog follows a stranger's scent and then has to go find three separate articles on it for points. They have to be very, very accurate in it. And then there's also competitive obedience, which looks really flash. It's all about, there is some flash element look to it, but at the same token, if you read the rules, it's got to look natural in a way. <laughs> Although it's not always very natural, but if it looks too flash, you get penalized. So you've got to have some real good flesh that looks natural. Mm-hmm. And then of course there's the, I think everybody's favorite part of the sport is the protection work where your dog um, looks for and protects the handler from an assailant in various uh, areas of the work in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally came through as a training test and a breed test for your German Shepherd dog. 
So of course I have got German Shepherd dogs and that's what I do. I train others in the sport and I compete in the sport myself. And then also my fitness and conditioning, um, mainly that's where my speciality lies. So because of the protection training, the dog has to be really strong and powerful because it fights a man. The dog, your dog has to go and fight a man and fight a handler. Mm -hmm. So I specialize in strength training, strength and power training, but also how to incorporate that strength and power training into the sport of your dog, regardless of the sport, um, but then also to keep that body balanced. So you don't want this muscle-bound dog that looks like a power lifter and that's all that they can do. They're not really mobile. Mm -hmm. Because in the sport, your dog still has to be really agile. So yeah. to combine that power with agility and strength in the sport, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, fantastic. And um, oh, let's. Uh, what puppies have you got? Hey, <laughs> what dogs do you have at the moment? <laughs> I, like I said, I'm a I'm a German Shepherd. Uh, I love those dogs. <laughs> I, there was a time where my husband said, "Oh, come, let's get something else, Angela." Yeah. And we really, we went through all the breeds. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was always one small thing that was not quite right for me mm -hmm. in the breed. Mm -hmm. So I love my German Shepherds. Yeah. Um, I, I've trained uh, Mallies and I've trained Dutch Shepherds. Actually, we've got a real nice uh, Mallie Cross Dutch Shepherd in our club. This dog is just awesome. But I still like my German Shepherds. Even <laughs> with yeah. Nonsense and everything. So yeah. um, for me, I... It's, this is a personal bias. So mm -hmm. uh, for me, you get really good Malinois, mm -hmm. but if you can get a real powerful German Shepherd, yep. there's nothing better. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that tops that yep. a look and feel of a powerful German Shepherd that does what its body's supposed to do. So I've got my, my German Shepherds. I've got a, a retiree and I've got a, a young dog coming along. Fantastic. You wouldn't believe it. Someone just tried to call. <laughs> I, uh, I thought I uh, turned that off. Someone tried to call me via uh, via Facebook. So I do apologise for that. <laughs> I, told, I told you it's uh, it's raw here <laughs> on the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. Um, fantastic. So um, yeah, look, I you know obviously um, I mentioned earlier that um, you know I had you know had Malamars, Dutch Shepherds, um, probably about oh, I was about ten years ago now. Um, I imported. Um, a black, a pure black Dutch Dutchie into um, uh, into Australia, um, which was fantastic. Super, you know, that was uh, super exciting times. But uh, for me, as I mentioned earlier, just you know, moved away from uh, that, um, you know, breeding and uh, also that that sport many you know many years ago. But um, you know. Yeah, look, I find people are either Malinois people or they're, or they're German Shepherd people. <laughs> you get almost like breeds of people when it comes to dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, it might, like you said, it could just be one little thing, you know, or uh, um, that attracts someone to a particular breed. It's, it's, it's funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, now, now, you know, I've got, um, you know, I've got uh, two uh, GSBs or German Shorthaired Pointers and... Um, they're, Those are awesome. Yeah, they're actually beautiful, you know, beautiful dogs. And I'll I, I tell you, like, a little bit of a sidetrack for a moment. But, uh, you know, I picked one up from the airport. The, the dog had, he was, uh, he's five years old. I picked him up from the airport about uh, a couple of months ago now. And it was raining and the the, uh, the kennel in the back of the, the, back of the, uh, the ute was, you know, was wet. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just put him on the back of the, 
you know, I'll put him in the back seat. I had my, my four-year-old daughter in the back seat. I, I'm like, oh, I don't really know him very well just yet. But, you know, I spent a bit of time with him, walking him around. And I, I did that, hopped in the front of the seat and I turned around and his head was on her lap, you know. Yeah. Exactly, you know, like just absolutely uh, beautiful uh, temperament from the time that, uh, you know, um, I picked him up, you know, and uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, this, this is, I would never, if you would have flown me a Malinois from the other side of the country, there's, there's probably no way I would have done that, um, you know, in, with the dogs that I used to have, you know, and uh, just, just to be safe, you know, not to say that they, they couldn't do it. I'm just saying that I probably, the, the dogs that I used to spend time with, I, I wouldn't do that, you know, um, that'd be straight into the, they'd probably have a muzzle on and they'd be straight in the kennel, you know, but uh, um, the GSP was just, just absolutely beautiful. And I, it was just a, it was a, it was a little moment in time when I thought, ah, oh, that's, you know, that's a, a really great temperament on that dog, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so just, just, um, you know, let's, let's talk, dive into, uh, um, you know, elements of the canine fitness or, or canine conditioning. I, I sometimes prefer to use canine fitness or dog fitness sometimes, just because as you mentioned, um, canine conditioning can get a little bit um, blurry and, and uh, some people are not quite sure. Um, and also the people that are seasoned pros sometimes associating, this is in my experience everyone's different sometimes experience canine conditioning to mean only on a fit or balance ball or you know that sort of um already established type um uh fitness routine does that make sense yeah yes absolutely yeah, yeah. and and i believe canine conditioning you know is much more than than that type of stuff and we'll talk about that shortly but sometimes i do prefer to say you know canine fitness or, or canine um you know dog fitness and conditioning um rather than just canine conditioning you know so um previous in a previous episode i broke it down and uh, we talked about pet dogs sporting and performance dogs which you know we're going to talk about today but it also can um you know ipg um agility you know there's a number of sporting um dogs there and then we've got you know your military and working dogs um fitness as well so you know today i'd like to, to talk about um you know sporting and performance dogs and specifically around ipg if that's okay um so in you know in your experience you know if someone was just you know they've been they've they've got their their puppy or they've just started doing a fair bit of research on um incorporating some uh canine fitness into their uh into their so i suppose regular routine because sometimes we're, you know they're training at the club you know they may be training you know five days a week you know and elements of obedience tracking um you know and you know maybe a couple of protection sessions as well you know so it can can be a full week um so uh, where would they start? You know, let's 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 take it back to bare bones. You know, and and you know, firstly, um, first of all, if someone's thinking, oh shit, I, I might need a bit of this to, into my program. In your opinion, where would we where would we get going? It's so strange that you're asking this question today, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Um, just yesterday, in our group, um, one of our members they just completed their BH, which is your companionship test, and it's the test that you first have to do before you are even allowed to compete in any IGP test. Yep. So there they test, they, they test the, the trainability of the dog and the temperament of the dog. That's the big test when it comes to your companionship test of your dog, your BH in other words. Yep. And um, this member, she's really good. She trains a dog. I, I like the style of her training. It's really positive. The dog responds really well and she's got a dobie. 
awesome looking dog, beautiful, yeah. really regal, holds itself really well, and she watches the dog's body all the time. But she mentions in the post, in the last 45 days going up to her BH, she trained less in her conditioning exercises and she really concentrated on her heel work mm -hmm. um, to get her uh, test passed. And she posted all pictures in the, <laughs> the, the, the Facebook group. Yep. And she said, just for anybody that thinks their dog is fit and trains in the sport all the time, mm -hmm. I trained in my sport for 45 days and only spent about 15% on conditioning. Yep. And look at the change in my dog's body shape. And she mm -hmm. showed all the photographs. Yep. And oh my word, the change in the muscle sizes on the opposite sides of the dog because of that uh, that competition heel, mm -hmm. which puts compensations on different muscles to the body. Mm -hmm. And what's so nice, it's a Doberman, so it's a short coat dog, and you can see the muscles mm -hmm. over the skin. <laughs> um, and you could see the changes in muscles just from concentrating on that heel work. Mm -hmm. So, and like, like we always say, if your dog does any sport, you're doing a repetitive movement all the time. Doesn't matter what sport it is, 99%, I think hunting dogs are probably the only dogs that really go out and they, yeah. they're doing a lot of body work. <laughs> um, but if it's a structured sport like agility, flyball, IGP, all of those things, mm -hmm. then they are, you're doing something repetitively all the time. And just like humans, if you're doing anything repetitive, you are causing compensations and you are causing imbalances. It's just the nature of the game. Mm -hmm. And this is what she was trying to show. And she did it beautifully, a really good taste, everything else. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to show people like, when you stop doing your fitness and conditioning work to keep your dogs balanced, this is what your sport training can do to their body. Mm -hmm. And it's a young, nice dog. There's nothing wrong with the dog. It's got no injuries. And she showed the photograph. So now her, her plan is to show how your conditioning can get that dog's body back into balance. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be such a super, she's working, we're working on a training program for her and she's going to post the photo, photos later on. But when it comes to entering IGP as a sport, um, and because there are those three elements, yes, there is a lot of uh, training. And I, a personal opinion again, I think people when uh, they are training for IGP, uh, they can easily say to you, geez, Angela, do you know how much I train? Like you say, mm -hmm. five times a day. Do you think I can train this dog anymore? I've got no time for fitness or conditioning, but my dog is fit. Because mm -hmm. your dog has to be tracking fit. There's that concentration as the dog tracks and follows the scent and uses its nose and its breathing techniques properly to last the entire track. There's the obedience, there's the jump, there's the A-frame, there's the fighting helper, which your dog basically has to run over 600 meters at full speed. Mm -hmm. and then bark for at least 30, 30 seconds while he's got good breath yep. and then come back and sit next to the handler and control himself. So your dog has to do a 600 meter sprint mm -hmm. and then go fight a helper and be a boxer and do a couple of rounds of boxing. <laughs> and that alone is for any human physically exhausting. Mm -hmm. but it, during each round, they've just got a few seconds to recover before it's the next part of the, of the, sequence in the exercises yep. so there's various elements of what type of fitness that dog has to be and when people are training and they start off with puppies um for me i think puppies are just great they're so easy to train they're so eager yep. what, and they'll do anything for you and you see some of these bitches the tails are going and they they can do everything 
And they can do everything in that little body that a big dog can do. Mm-hmm. And for me, the dangers come when the dog is about nine months old mm-hmm. and it looks like a big dog. Yep. And then people train it and look at it like a big dog. Mm-hmm. But that body and the, the skeletal structure of the body is still a puppy mm-hmm. or halfway puppy, young teenager. Yep. And all the growth plates aren't closed and the muscles attached to the bone. The bone isn't... Um, at its full strength and it can still tear if the muscle contracts too hard on the bone. Mm-hmm. So if you put on too much strength training on a puppy, you've got dangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and people put too much, uh, probably they train for a tight turn. So that's a lot of torque on the body. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, injuries waiting to happen. And for me, the worst injury in the world is that small little injury that nobody can see because mm-hmm. it says hello world yep. when your dog is three. Mm-hmm. and you're really training for competition now, mm-hmm. that's when that injury raises its head. Mm-hmm. And it's all because somebody has gone too far as a puppy. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, and, so and just, that. that's right. Sorry, just on that as well. Hello, so as, you know, like, dude, like, <laughs> <laughs> that is the, one of the pain in the butt injuries that takes forever. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Some dogs just push through it and you may not bloody tell, you know, at all, you know, and... Um, Oh, I beat my head against the wall uh, trying to rehabilitate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that psoas muscle, mm-hmm. it attaches through, uh, through the, the, the bottom waist spine parts of the yep. dog. Yep. But it attaches to um, growth plates, which are amongst the last growth plates, like in the pelvis and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the last growth plates to close mm-hmm. in a growing dog. So those growth plates close around about two years old. Mm-hmm. So if you're putting a lot of torque and turn on the waist, mm-hmm. those growth plates still aren't um, properly closed and there's that small instability in the dog. Yep. And it's only small, mm-hmm. but if you put a lot of torque on that, that's where those small little injuries, and like you say, and when it comes to sport dogs in mm-hmm. particular, I just spoke about it last week, Friday, sport dogs don't show you pain. Yep. And they work through it. Yep. There's like, oh, nothing wrong with me, Ma, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, and so you work them. Or so if they're in a jungle, they just they just ever so slightly out of the weed, or they just knocking. A, we must train them a little bit more. They're getting a bit lazy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. when you get your big injuries. Yep, and and you know just on that, the slightest little leg, you know, rear rear, you know, leg raise, or not quite a limp, but it's a little, you know, like you've really got to be so switched on and know your know your dog to pick up these little you know, little um, signs of, un, you know, um, I was going to say uncomfortableness, you know, if that's even a word, but uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, call it, we'll call it that, <laughs> you know, uh, little signals and, um, you know, but it can, it can really make the difference, um, you know, in your performance, you know, um, of your dog for sure. And those, those, are the, those are the real small things that if you're training your young dog, if you want to go into IGB, particularly yeah. there's, it's, a, it's an impact sport. It's like a rugby player. Yep. IGB for me is, is equal to rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a physical impact sport. Mm-hmm. And when I think about rugby in our country here, you get schoolboy rugby and then you get the Springboks. Yep. So your national team. And with our dogs, we're all training to get to the national team, but we're training them at a schoolboy rugby level all the time. So schoolboy rugby is you go to school and after school, you practice your rugby and it's great fun. Um, But we expect them to compete in a national sport. And we're not providing them with the proper uh, 
support system as a rugby player nationally. So your rugby player nationally gets his nutritionist, his uh, fitness uh, coach, his conditioning coach, etc., and their rugby coach. There's a whole team around this one player, and depending on what uh, position on the field you're playing, your um, exercise routine is slightly different mm -hmm. to like your, your wing, who's got to be fast and athletic. His fitness routine is different to your linebacker guy who has got to be this big, thick powerhouse at the back. And the same thing happens with the dog. You need to look at what, you, what dog you've got in front of you, what's, um, how, his, dog, how his, his body's made, because there is no perfect body out there. Make the weak areas strong. Make the strong areas strong to match the, the new strongest areas that you've, you, you're working on so that there's a good balance and that, that that body of your dog can do exactly what you're asking of it every time so when you to go back originally if you're doing puppies for igp there's a lot of things you've got to take into consideration as you're training for adulthood in the sport mm -hmm. so your puppy training for igp there's a lot of things you've got to not really concentrate on just to protect the body yeah. and there's a lot of skills training involved for puppies but when it comes to adult igp dog training there you have to really look after the body and there your conditioning program and your fitness program and regimes will change again for an adult bodied dog. Yeah. And then again, for your senior dog, it would change again for retirement. Sure. Let's, um, I was going to say quick, let's move on. I'm glad you moved on from the rugby analogy because the wallabies are shit. Every time, yeah. I, <laughs> every time I go to, I watch the rugby, the rugby, the last few years, we got beaten by Argentina or, you know, sorry, a draw, draw twice with Argentina. I get so frustrated. I turn the bloody TV off because I'm yelling and screaming at how poor the wallabies have been going the last couple of years. <laughs> So quick, you know, I'm glad that you moved on from that. I won't mention, we won't talk rugby much anymore, right? <laughs> um, and we'll get back to dogs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, on that, um, let's, I suppose, let's break it down. And if, if someone is considering adding, um, you know, uh, forms of uh, canine conditioning, dog fitness, conditioning to their own program, um, you know, where in your opinion, you know, like, uh, obviously we want to make sure, you know, you mentioned just a moment ago about, um, having a look at the, uh, the structure, the gate, you know, well, I'm just saying gate, you know, but the, the structure, um, you know, have a, you know, do a gate analysis, um, having a look at their dog, you know, um, what do you, how do you work through it? If someone comes to you and, and, you know, is that the first port of call generally, do you have a look at those things? Obviously you just want to set out goals and intentions and things like that, but um, we need to have a look at, um, you know, the, the, uh, the alignment and, and where they are. Would that be correct? Absolutely. Look, if anybody comes up to me first, mm -hmm. huge, big thing, is your dog cleared by a vet? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a vet. I'm not going to pick up any heart issue. I'm not going to pick up anything of those. So is your dog actually, certified fit and able to train and yep. to do a fitness program. Mm -hmm. um, then you look at the handler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your, your, your sporting handler, they tend to be really a type personalities mm -hmm. and how do you get through to them? Because you can do a lot of things with a dog, but in the end, the handler has to do it with the dog. So mm -hmm. can you get your message to, through to that person? Sure. So for me, it's really important. If somebody's going to embark on a fitness and conditioning program, mm -hmm. please go and find somebody that you relate to. Yep. That's really important. If you, mm -hmm. if, if you struggle to relate to that person, get somebody that you can because that information that you're getting is really invaluable mm -hmm. and it's got to resonate with you. 
Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm looking at a dog, yes, definitely. Gait analysis it reveals lots. Mm -hmm. um, measurements of how the, the, the where the feet lay as they're walking, etc. That's really important. Balance in um, angulation from shoulder to hip, really important. The length of the dog, really important, especially when it comes to protecting iliopsoas, like you mentioned earlier, that length of the dog. And it's the length in the waist that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, but then also, when we look at the dog, yes, great. These are possible weaknesses or possible strengths within the dog. Mm -hmm. But then also, what sport are they doing? Because you cannot just, I always say, there's no generic dog. So look at the dog in front of you and see what that body is telling you. And then look at the sport that the dog is competing in. Um, because each sport requires different strength areas in a dog. So if you take, for example, agility, you're, uh, there's a lot of landing. So there's a lot of shoulder work. Mm -hmm. So when you are training in agility all day, every day, the shoulders get a lot of impact and a lot of work. And they almost get overworked. And with a dog's normal, it's just a normal dog, they will carry 66, two thirds of their body weight mm -hmm. on their shoulders in any case. So their shoulders are being worked generally all the time. And the back end is only a third. The back end gets very little um, extra work. And if you look at a dog, you'd think, oh, those back thighs are much stronger. But no, they're not. If you, now you take your agility dog, mm -hmm. everything's happening in the shoulder work. So when they do the weaves, and if you're not concentrating on the back end, the shoulders drive the weaves so that it's a front wheel drive car and it's pulling everything and that's where all the torque's happening. And then because the back and the iliopsoas is weak, the back, the spine whips mm -hmm. and they don't have the strength to control the back end and the back end is not driving that dog forward through the weaves as well. Mm -hmm. So that's where you get a lot of shoulder injury and a lot of iliopsoas muscle injury. So yep. just one example, if you're not gonna be concentrating on the on the, the the sport that the dog is doing yep. and the structure of the dog you're going to be missing out and you you're going to be struggling with those injuries yeah yeah for sure and uh you know i suppose you know moving forward you know there's there's much you know there's there's no cookie cookie cutter you know i suppose you know it really comes down to, you know, a focus on that, as you mentioned, every bloody dog is going to be different. Every handler is going to be different. Every, you know, you may have a, or I might have an agility dog uh, come to me and then I might have, you know, like you said, an, I, an IGB um, a competitor come to me, you know, and we need to really, you know, that are, that are totally different breeds, different shapes, different, you know, um, totally different handlers as well, you know, um, you know, and, um, you know, making sure that, that, um, that fitness program is going to be custom, you know, customized to suit your requirements, you know, and, and well, not yours, but generally your dog's requirements rather than your own. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if you, you get, there's a whole big, always this thing, oh, German shepherds are, they over angulated and yeah, you do get them. Some of them are really over angulated, mm -hmm. um, but there's things you can do to help those dogs. Your over angulated dogs, they really need to be so strong to support mm -hmm. those joints. Yep. And that strength training behind um, uh, angulation mm -hmm. is really important. Yep. Um, so especially if you if you if your dog is going to be doing a sport, and even if they're doing conformation ring sport, yep. where those dogs have to stand in the ring and they have to stand. And I've mm -hmm. seen them; they stand if they're not fit and conditioned, they stand in their skeleton, mm -hmm. and all of that weight is just hanging on that skeleton. And you can see the strain; the muscles are not holding them up mm -hmm. and not holding that skeleton in optimal um, shape and form. And I've seen a dog drop four spaces down. It starts off 
beautiful and think, oh my word, this is one handsome dog. Yeah. Standing there, it's gorgeous, it looks fantastic. And as soon as they start to get tired because they're not fit, Mm-hmm. So your average confirmation ring dog must be able to at least run 5Ks, mm-hmm. 5 kilometers. Otherwise, don't even bother entering. That's how fit the dog's got to be, a mm-hmm. minimum. Yep. And then the muscles have to be strong. And if the muscles are not strong because they're now running around the ring, they start to get tired quickly. Mm-hmm. And then their body starts to hang. And it's the most saddest thing in the world because this dog is gorgeous. And if it was just a little bit uh, fitter, if it was more conditioned, if it was just strong in the muscle, yep. it, would, it would excel. But mm-hmm. people don't know this. So you can't go up to the hand and go, whoa, you terrible person. You can't say that. Yeah. Because many times, most of the time, they don't even know. Yep. Yeah. I think it, 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 it's so important for like, the work that you're doing now with your mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. is to spread the word. It's so important because the yep. dogs need us. They really do need us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, like there's so many elements. And, and look, we're not going to, you know, we haven't got a huge amount of time today. But, you know, but, but you know, for me, you know, if, if you put it into a, you know, a pyramid, you know, for me, um, you know, I always start with, you know, with nutrition, you know, that's, that's number one for me. And then, and then we have a look at, um, you know, movement, and, as you know, yeah. uh, movement, um, which then leads to, to balance, uh, endurance, strength, sports specific, you know, so if you have a pyramid, that's how we, you know, that, that's how we move up from the, the, the widest part of the bottom moving to the peak, you know, so sports specific is there's that little bit at the very top of the, uh, the pyramid, you know, but there's so many uh, elements that each of those segments break off into, you know, so, um, you know, but we, it's, it's much more detailed than, than some people really give, uh, give credit for, or as you mentioned, they just don't know at this point in time, you know? They don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I read it like, uh, if you take the average person, mm-hmm. and it, it applies to dogs, if you mm-hmm. take the average person, yeah. and I do any form of small exercise, mm-hmm. I'm going to see an improvement. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some improvement with me somewhere. Yep. And the same with the dog. If you just teach a dog, some small exercise routines, sit stands, downs, mm-hmm. just those things. Yep. There's going to be some improvement. It's better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But then if you take a human athlete and you ask them to just do some small exercise, it's mm-hmm. going to do nothing to them. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. They're going to see no benefit whatsoever. Yep. But if you ask them to do an exercise in a particular manner to target particular muscles so that there's excellent technique and that technique is so important, Mm-hmm. That's when you see the next cell. Now, the same thing happens with the dog. So if you're talking about your sporting dog, they're training in any case. And if you just give them some exercise generic, you know, me and my generic, your generic exercise routine, you're not going to see any benefit or you may actually see the dog go backwards. Yep. So when you're starting into fitness and conditioning, you'll see some people do some things. And <laughs> a friend of mine said, yeah, he was watching this woman do some fitness conditioning work and he still thought, oh my God, don't you have anything better to do with your life? Because it looks so boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the more you go into it and the more you do, the more you learn that you need to learn more. Mm-hmm. Because the technique of what you're doing an exercise for and the muscles that you are engaging on yeah. purpose, in particular for a sporting dog, is essential. Mm-hmm. So the more you do this, the more you will realize that you know so little and you really have to learn. And the learning is not difficult but the understanding why and to exercise your dog in a particular manner mm-hmm. you will get exponential gains so you'll start off and you you won't understand and then all of a sudden everything will just power through your dog's body 
and everything will come together. And it doesn't take that long. So if you are unsure, start where you are, but start. Yeah. As you go, you will learn more. It is so important, especially if you take part in a sport. Yeah. Um, actually, I've got a, um, so the last couple of, or probably three or four years, I've, um, I've been uh, working with a mentor that does kettlebell, kettlebell trainings, actually um, uh, from yeah. South Africa and with an organization called Strong First. And um, uh, they, you know, their tagline or what they say is strength is a skill. Yeah. We may do the same, you know, we may do the same exercises, but how you complete those exercises, what, what matters, right? So exactly what you just said, everything from, you know, if you're going to press a, a kettlebell over your head, you know, the tension, the power, you know, the, uh, the tension that you create in your body by breathing in and then slowly pushing out and pushing from your lat above your head to be able to get that 40 odd kilo kettlebell above your head takes skill and effort. You know, you may practice that multiple times, uh, you know, uh, throughout a session, but it's a skill. You know, you don't just, Absolutely. you don't just pick up a 40 kilo kettlebell and push it above your head. Yeah. The, the, the tension, you know, like I said, you create through your body, the type of breathing you do, you know, uh, for me, I, you know, prefer no shoes on to be grounded, like feet, a, a certain width apart, toes, you know, like, yeah, you need <laughs> yeah. yep, for sure. Yeah. So all that, um, you know, it applies to, to our dogs, you know, like they've got no idea what, what you're, ex you're asking them at this point in time, you know? So Absolutely. Oh my word. You're speaking exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. exactly. You yeah. can tell a person, like feel this thing, but you can't tell a dog. Yep. So you have to watch them and you have to guide them to do these things in a particular way. And you know, the dogs get it. Mm -hmm. They really do. Yep. It is fantastic to see. And the dogs that are not doing this, and you see them in competition, yeah. well, you see it a mile away. You can see the dogs that do not have any conditioning, and they do not have any skill within their body and the control of their body. Yep. You, it stands out. It really does. For sure. So in, I suppose in, in your opinion, you know, where have you seen, um, I suppose, you know, conditioning? Um, let's just say, I don't know the same you know five years ago you know where, where where in your opinion where was it you know and you know like i said we're trying to you know part of part of my goal is to you know to bring people like yourself on and, and educate you know um, where do you see it at, at moving you know so you know if we talked about this five years ago you'd be like what the fuck you know you're dreaming mate you know what are you smoking <laughs> yeah that's my, that's my opinion give you give us yours <laughs> 100% sure, just you were spot on conditioning five years ago. Well, hello. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to have to make this uh, um, podcast. I won't be editing. I'll have to uh, make sure I uh, have a language warning on the podcast today. <laughs> no, five years ago, what mm -hmm. happened? My own dog got injured. Mm -hmm. My own dog got injured and it was coming along and I didn't notice it. Yep. And I pushed her. Yep. And I, the, I was told, oh, she's lazy, she can do this, because she always could. Mm -hmm. And so we pushed her. Mm -hmm. And the injury, she, uh, it showed its head where, like, she didn't even do anything. She just pushed it over a jump and she refused. Mm -hmm. To a point where she just refused. Yep. And um, took it to the vet. They couldn't find the injury. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it was a special spectrum, and then we found it was a small little muscle tear right in the middle by her back, a small muscle, mm -hmm. 
and I had to rest her for six weeks. And of course, the nationals mm. was in four weeks. Yeah. So I had to pull. I mean, everybody said, oh, you can give her a painkiller. She can do it. And then you think, oh, and some people will. You know, it's, it's a big competition at the nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't. I pulled from the competition. Looking at the nationals, it would have been a really good competition. She would have done superbly well. Yep. But it was also her last competition because she was going to be six, seven. So I could not do anything further with her. And so she retired from competition. Mm-hmm. Of course, six weeks later, she was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it was, how do I get back into training? What do I do? Mm-hmm. So five years ago, nobody knew anything. Mm-hmm. In that five years, my dog got injured. Mm-hmm. Now that she's recovered. How do I get her into sport again safely? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how. Yep. And I was, I was really paralyzed. I didn't want to just go train my dog because I wasn't sure was it doing any good or any bad. Yep. Because we all we've we've done is IGP training, and now I see that what happens to muscles just with normal repetitive training. Thank God I didn't go that route. Mm-hmm. And I I researched and I found and I found yep. um, your canine athlete specialist Eric Boni. Yep. And that's where I my training really started in earnest. And from there, as soon as you for me, as soon as I got just a little bit, the first bit of this course, hmm. my mind just went, boom, it really exploded. And so you just start studying everywhere. Yep. So I did the uh, Certified Canine Ethics sport, uh, Specialist course. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I then went on to do a canine myofascial release uh, course, mm-hmm. the two certifications. It was amazing to see how the muscles of the dogs work. Mm-hmm. And of course, my own background is um, strength and power sport training for humans. So I come from a bodybuilding background with my entire family. My <laughs> uncle is a powerlifting world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, weightlifting, all of those sports. I'm a, I know about strength training. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the kettlebell and techniques, mm-hmm. oh my word, it resonates. Yep. And how you can incorporate this in your, in your dog. So mm-hmm. for me, with my dogs, you don't want to have a powerlifter for IGP. Mm-hmm. They'll be too muscle bound and they won't be able to be as flexible and agile as they need to be. Yep. But for me, the perfect IGP dog is your gymnast. Yep. They are super strong. They've got control of the muscles yep. and they are agile, flexible, and they've got endurance. That's yep. funny. You make an analogy there. Uh, yesterday on Facebook, do you know this, uh, the strong man, Eddie, um, Eddie, is it Eddie Jones or the, the strong man? Um, yes, the guy from the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he um, went into a gym, uh, like a gymnasium, and he teamed up with a, a male gymnast. And the goal in this video that they made on Facebook was for Eddie to do a, you know, a backflip. And uh, he was wearing like a leotard and uh, big man, like big man compared to the gymnast, you know. And um, it was hilarious that uh, he just, you know, obviously big, strong guy, you know, I think deadlifting huge amounts of weight but um you know he just you know barely touched his toes you know he and the gymnast that was there and uh you know he was doing all these tricks and uh eddie was just like having a go but just obviously had could not do them it was a hilarious video on facebook um you know i, I watched it and, and I it's just training it's just training yeah. you can mold your body into anything you want same yeah. with the dog you can make their muscles bigger and you can train their muscles smaller you mm. can make them more agile you can make them muscle bound you can make them into a bodybuilder or not 
Yeah. It, it's all through what you do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All righty. So let's, um, you know, I, look, I, I definitely appreciate your chat, our chat. And I, I think we could, um, you know, we could go on for, uh, um, you know, for quite um, a long, you know, a long conversation. Yeah, for sure. You know, but, um, you know, let's, um, you know, I like to keep the podcast around the 45 minutes if that's okay. You know, so um, look, you know, let's sort of, if, you know, obviously this has been a, a really great chat um, and I'd like to appreciate your time. Um, you know, but overall, if uh, if someone you know wanted to reach out to you and, and have a little bit more of a chat about um, you know getting their dog prep for uh, I, IGP or even you know potentially agility etc., uh, you don't necessarily just count, uh, you know stay locally. You you uh, train people throughout the world, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And uh, where would they go about um, you know uh, finding you? Uh, website, Facebook, Instagram, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all of the above. Yeah. So I've got my website is the Biokinetic Canine, all one word. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Biokinetic, mm -hmm. and then K the letter K and the number nine. Yeah. Dot com. So yeah. that's my my website page. Um, mm -hmm. to email me, really simple, is fit at the Biokinetic Canine. Mm -hmm. So um, email me if you have any questions. I'm happy to answer any. Yeah. And then we have a Facebook uh, page, which is the Biokinetic Canine, mm -hmm. and then we've got a Facebook group. Yeah. Wait, stand back for the creativity of this name. It's the <laughs> Biokinetic Canine Group. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, love it. You know, hey, we've got to make things simple. Um, and you, yeah. <laughs> uh, you do, um, you know, regular lives on your on your Facebook um, on your Facebook page. You know, free information there that uh, you know you drop some great knowledge bombs. Is that right? Is that on a particular oh, day you. that you do that? Hmm? Yeah, we do that mostly on a Friday. I say mostly of uh, it's. 99% on a Friday. Sometimes I'll have to skip Friday due to whatever um, mm. needs I have on, on this side of my, of my home. 90% um, on a Friday, most of the time at five o'clock, we do a Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. It's also, again, just like between 20, half an hour, 20 mm -hmm. minutes, half an hour, and we discuss. So I invite anybody to log on, ask mm -hmm. the questions, wave hello. Um, if you find any value in it, share it with your friends, mm -hmm. um, come like our page. That's what I always say. It's a it's an informal discussion. I'll have a topic, and if anybody's got anything to add or to ask, please do so. I, we, for me, questions are invaluable. There's yeah. never a stupid question. Mm -hmm. It's only stupid for you because you think, oh, it may be, but mm -hmm. the the background information behind even the simplest question is huge. Yeah, for sure. So and and like you, you know. That's right. And, you know, hence why, you know, I'm on a mission to do podcasts like this. And, you know, for me, I like podcasts, you know, I'm not a huge Facebook live man, you know, but, you know, I, um, I got, I got gray in my beard these days. So, you know, I'm a bit paranoid about going on the video camera. That's right. No, look, I, I've, my twins are they're eight months old now. So yeah, they're certainly, um, they're coming out a bit more now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, <laughs> that's a whole nother subject, you know. Uh, all righty. So thank you very much once again, uh, Angela, for joining us uh, here on the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. Really, like I said, once again, I, I thank you. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and for the, you know, I suppose for the listeners, please, if you you know, it doesn't matter where you are listening to this podcast, whether you're an, an Aussie, um, you know, um, a Kiwi, a um, you know, from South Africa, from the US, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I hope that uh, you take something away from this uh, casual as 
chat, you know, and that's, you know, how I like it to be uh, on my podcast. So um, once again, thank you very much uh, for coming. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Hey, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And really all the very best with this podcast. It's such an awesome idea. <laughs> and you can go really far. Really, really awesome fantastic thank you very much uh, once again just for the for the listeners if you've liked this podcast like what you've heard you know l listen to uh, Andrew and I talk about canine fitness talk some some dribbles some rugby please like it share it uh, with your friends um, we would appreciate it very very much all right that's us for today okay. thank you thank you very much all right thanks everybody cheers and good night are you looking for the perfect gift for you or a friend that loves dogs and fitness? Dogs and Deadlifts has you covered with merchandise and giftware including t-shirts, hoodies, cushion covers, mugs plus much more. Head over to teespring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. That's T double E spring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts or Check out the link in the podcast notes.